and welcome to Arrest Home Mix. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How's everyone doing? Are you good? The weather this week is Martian sweet shop surreal. Yeah, we've got Sham Maragaya from Studio Maragaya coming up. It's a strong episode, great interview, top guy, bags of talent. So we'll get onto that shortly and then we'll talk about Sham's work and why I wanted him on the show. What's going on? How are you all doing? I'm completely surrounded by a weirdness at the moment. I'm... Uh, I'm in my studio in Manchester, I'm, it's caked in abstract paintings and weird stuff. There's a, a doll's head, a baby doll head, covered in spray paint and ink. Don't switch off. I'm not weird. I am weird, but it's good. <laughs> it's for an EP cover, honestly. Um, I hope you're good, I hope you're doing well. Uh, it's been a good start to the year here. Um, all going on, some nice projects. Piles of paint around, the studio's a mess already. I think that's got to be a good sign, surely. I'm really pushing myself this year. I'm making some tough choices, to be honest. I'm trying to be, trying to steer my direction. I've been doing this nearly 10 years now. I don't know where you guys are at, but I'm trying to be ruthless. I'm trying to knock back stuff that I don't feel good about. I'm, try, I'm taking risks. It feels horrible. Uh, it's never easy to say no, and it's always risky to turn down paid work. But I'm really trying to make this the year that, that everything I do is going somewhere, could lead somewhere, is something I give a shit about, you know? It's not that I don't with briefs, but I think um, there's, you know, I've been doing stuff that comes in for the money for uh, for various reasons, because it's there, because it's work, and you get into the habit of saying yes sometimes, but a guy with way more experience than me recently said to me that saying no can be just as important as to saying yes to things, and I think there's something in that, and so far so good, because the you know each time I turn something down and I feel terrible about it, and I'm lying awake at night staring at the ceiling, something's come in, uh, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter whether it's you know well paid, It's the, these projects are kind of, I feel something for them, and it, and it feels good, um, and it's given me a little bit more headspace as well, because I'm, I'm able to concentrate on one project at a time, and it's probably going to be that I come out at the end of this year with a little less earnings than normal, but actually I hope that the direction moving forward is more my own and something I can take a greater control of. How do you guys feel about that? Where are you at in respect to that? Are you taking everything on at the minute? Because that's what I've been doing for nine years, so you've got to do to pay them bills. Um, we don't always have the luxury of turning stuff down, but after 10 years I'm starting to find that you know it's been all right. It's been pretty good doing it full-time. I'm not, not, not worrying too much. Um, so I'm seeing how that goes and, and trying to be strong and, and, and really kind of approach the people I do want to work with and, and kind of say, look, I really want to work with you for the right reasons. Let's do it. And I think you get a good response when you do that, when you show that you truly care. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe there's an episode to come, I think, on that. I think that could be a good thread about, you know, what, what we turn down and how, how we shape that direction and how it feels because it's horrible at times. Um, anyway, enough about that. A uh, quick thank you for the sponsors illustrationweb.com founding sponsor of this show supported me from the ground up helped me get the show going coined the idea in the first place so big thanks to harry lyon smith managing director of illustration web superb agency representing a lot of talented artists right across the board fashion illustrators live artists lettering artists uh, mural artists we've got people doing animation we've got you name it it's on there children's books it's all going on some awesome people and they're a really great agency who care about the industry they work together with the likes of the association of illustrators the society of artists agents other agencies um just try and strengthen the industry and protect everything that we do protect our rights intellectual property and all that good stuff so big thanks to those guys uh, for supporting this show heartinternet.co.uk 
just as good. A brilliant sponsor, uh, tech sponsor. They give us a digital tip every episode. These guys provide fantastic hosting, domain names, uh, SEO, uh, kind of advice on social media. They're a really great, friendly bunch, and they provide lots of good content for you to help your business to get yourself out there. So do check them out. Uh, I met them a couple of years ago at an award ceremony, and Nick Leach, the head of marketing, was amazing. Really great guy. He loved what I was doing with the show, and we had a conversation, and they've been supporting me ever since, so it really is quite wonderful. Uh, go check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. And the little tip I thought I'd give you this episode is about just putting your heart on your sleeve a little more sometimes. I think um, you see a lot of people doing it and, and it doesn't matter if it's a well-trodden path. So I'm going to give you Sham Maragai, today's guest, as an example. Sham works quite strongly with his objects of affection. So I shared an image last night on Instagram um, and it was absolutely stunning um, Studio Ghibli montage illustration um, and it was it's, it was beautiful and the feedback I got was amazing and I knew I would because it, as a fan of Studio Ghibli it, it was something quite special um, and Sham evidently loves that too and there's a real passion in the work and you can see that you don't even need to talk to the guy to know no one will put that level of time and effort into such a piece if they didn't care about it and lo and behold the feedback was awesome people from all corners of the globe commenting um, Katie Cowan last episode's guest from Creative Boom was blown away by it and immediately said, oh my God, I'm going to pinch Sham off you for an interview for Creative Boom. And this is the kind of way things happen. You open doors. When you put the things you love out there, I think it's a way for people to connect and start a conversation with you. And I think that's really, really valuable in the creative industry. So there you go. It just goes to show what can happen. Um, so there you have it. That being said, go and check out the last episode if you haven't already with Katie Cowan of Creative Boom. Really amazing feedback on that one, so thanks for that, guys. Um, no surprise to me, uh, I share a studio space with Katie and we've become friends since I moved in here, but I've been long aware of Creative Boom. And I remember when I moved into the studios, I popped up for a cup of tea to sort of introduce myself and say hello. And they were very friendly. Uh, Laura Collinson, who's the um, editorial... Oh, I've forgotten her title, that's really bad. <laughs> assistant editor there we go got you sorry laura um they, 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 those guys were in there and tom also works with them and um and we were sat there for about five minutes before i said look you guys i owe you guys a thank you and they were like okay why and i said um when my book came out champagne and wax crayons it was you know the the the, the publisher's quite small they had limited marketing capacity so i did a lot of that stuff myself and one day I'm sitting there and an article pops up on my social feed from Creative Boom. It was like top 10 books for uh, aspiring illustrators and designers. So I'm scrolling down. I'm like, yeah, that belongs in there. That's awesome. Cool. And I get down and I'm like, shit, that's my book. They've featured it. That's amazing. And I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. It was a beautiful surprise. Um, and it just goes to show. So you you, you don't know. They, they, these guys are out there. It's their job to go and find amazing work and profile it. So get stuff sent over. Get in touch with them. Uh, do exactly what Sham's done. Share the stuff you're passionate about and keep doing that stuff even if you've got commercial work, because that's the work that opens doors. Hence the reason I'm surrounded by these warped abstract paintings, which I've been working on for uh, an EP sleeve for the Hyena Kill. Um, hard Rock two-piece from Manchester. Go and have a listen. If you haven't, they've been on the show in the past. Go and have a listen to that episode, talking music and art direction. Good episode. Uh, Two-part special with Dirty Freud. So go back and have a listen. Um, what else? What else? Thanks to the... Association of Illustrators for the ongoing support, the, the, the World Illustration Awards. I've been getting my submissions together. It's on my to-do list to send them today. Um, go and submit some work if you haven't. It's a really affordable entry price. I think some awards 
are wildly priced and I don't enter them because of it and I think it's a little bit wrong. Um, I understand the need for quality control but I think when you start asking hundreds and hundreds of pounds for people to submit something I think it's a little bit... I think it's a little bit out of order, personally. I think the shift stuff should be done on merit, and I don't submit work because I just can't justify that when that money could be invested in better places. That's just the way I feel. Maybe you disagree. How do you feel about that? Um, so go and get your stuff in. Anyway, the, the World Illustration Awards get better and better every year. Uh, we had the winner of the marketing sorry, the advertising category, professional, um, Claudine O'Sullivan on the show, go back and listen, absolute beast of an episode, huge numbers on that one, great love for Claudine's work, understandably so, she's a top lass, a good friend, and she's wildly talented, so go back and listen to that one, we also had Nina Chakrabarti, winner of the book category, for her work with Lawrence King on Hello Nature, that's another two-part special where you can go and listen to Lawrence King, and Nina herself, and it's great insights into the publishing industry and artist books, so get back and listen to it, man, this is a big entry today, I'm talking my ass off here. Uh, I apologise. You probably skipped me anyway, so I don't know who's even listening by this point. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, I think I've said everything I've got to say. Oh yeah, also, sorry, tickets are now available for Offset Festival in Dublin. I know a lot of people who are going to that, including Claudine Rod Hunt. I'm going to try and get there myself, but I just got a puppy, so that's thrown it into doubt. So we will see. Maybe I'll see you there, maybe not. Let's check that out closer to the time. That's coming up in March, late March, I believe. Um, anyway, that's enough for now. Let's get to it. So, Sham Muragaya. Why did I want Sham on the show? To be quite honest, Sham approached me and said, I love the podcast. Give me a shout if you like anything that I'm doing. I'd love to have a conversation if the opportunity ever arises. And you'd be surprised how few people do that. So I looked at Sham's work and it took me about two clicks on his website to get back to him and go, yes, there's a great angle here. Let's have a look at it. Let's talk about this stuff. And as Sham will describe, he's gone from doing a lot of Wes Wally-style illustration as progressing into a more surreal environment, working with publications like New Scientist. Uh, it's easy to see why. Sham's colour palettes are knockout. His line drawing is awesome. He's got a great mind, a great attitude, and he's passionate about the right things that connect with other people. So it's no surprise to see he's been growing. He's represented by Debut Art, and he's doing really well. So he's going to talk about that relationship and agents. He's going to talk about his roots and actually... It's quite interesting because we talk about the whole thing of I want to study art, I want to do art for a job and the response that you get from some parents, uh, you know, that, that kind of scepticism that we get. Oh, how are you going to make money? Is that a proper job? It's very, very common and it's prevalent in today's society, which does upset me on some levels. But Sham opens a new angle into this. Um, and his parents are uh, from South Asia, so he talks about the kind of having parents from that part of the world. And apparently this is a common thing where it's it's challenged as a career choice. So Sham's going to talk about what that was like and how his parents now feel about the amazing success that he's having in our industry. Uh, we're going to talk about his front cover for Little White Lies, which was part of the DNA D award winning issue. Uh, amazing stuff. We're going to talk about his love of Mobius. Uh, the artist, uh, he'll talk in depth about that and he's even got a cat named after it which I can't remember if it's Mobius that makes an appearance or Daenerys, he's got two cats, awesome names um, I think it's Daenerys that pops in anyway, we'll see <laughs> I can't remember, one of them invades the show uh, awesome guy, uh, he's worked for Lucasfilm he's, he's just uh, a real soulful style very very fun, evolved in a lot of the minutes so check him out and go and have a look Um so there you have it, yeah, Sham Muragaya, Studio Muragaya, go and check him out, all the links in the show notes as ever, get your thoughts over please on the Twitter at Arrest Army Mix, comment on the Instagram, same handle, uh, and go and support all the sponsors, thanks again, heartinternet.co.uk, illustrationweb.com, uh, and the wonderful association of illustrators doing great work too, so thanks for Sham for taking the time to sit down and talk in his London studio, here we go. I've just 
this is a very small studio space, but um, I kind of redesigned it and kind of took all the bookshelves out, put them in the living room, and kind of have this set up now. Yeah, this table nice, will actually. be cleared so that I could get messy, start sketching, mm. prop, you know, yeah. get away from the computer for the next few months and start yeah. producing stuff out of my own head. Yeah, non commissioned, just and then give put that on my agency or on my agent's website. Yeah, and then let the new jobs come in. You know, let those that pieces of work generate. Absolutely, yeah. Well, who are you who are you represented by again now? Uh, debut art. Mm. Are they good? They're really good. Yeah, I um, remember sending them an email like three years ago when I had done one piece of like mm. fan art for a film. I was like, <laughs> I've done this piece of work. Like you know, I'm looking to get represented. <laughs> And did not get any response, obviously. Uh, um, and then, yeah, three or four years later, you build up body of work, you build up years of experience, and then you, you're nice enough. Like, so I kind of emailed, sent the email, and I um, addressed it to each member. So I put all of their names at the very beginning of the email, so I kind of showed that it was a personal email. Yeah. And yeah, I got a response straight away. That's it, cool. And this was in January, saying, yeah, we'd love to represent you. Excellent. Um very it's a nice moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's an amazing moment. I was in uh, Leicester Square, yeah. kind of walking around, so I, was, I knew I was going to get this call. They're like, oh, we're going to call you to discuss. So, that, so they sent me an email to say, you're in, and I was at home, super excited. My girlfriend's going, like, yeah, well done. And they're like, we're going to call you, and I was like, shit, I've got to go. I've got to meet my girlfriend. So um, I was in Leicester Square, and then, yeah, they called me and I had to walk around kind of London over the bridges and stuff as they were discussing all of these kind of really important things with the, yeah. with the deal. And I was like, yeah, a bit nervous. But it's been great. It was January and I've had kind of ongoing projects ever since. You know, Brilliant. Since okay, so it's started off quite strongly. Yeah, yeah. I think the style kind of adheres to something that, I don't know, is a kind of wider range of projects. and mm. yeah, It is. It's a, very, it's a very contemporary style, and it? it looks very versatile. The colours are fantastic. Thank so. you. Yeah, it was... Uh, the style was very kind of inspired by kind of American... Yeah, just American pop culture in general, kind of when I... Growing up, watching X-Men on Saturday mornings, you know, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Saturday <laughs> Super Hero TV, amazing. Yeah, Spider-Man, you had X-Men. I think I was more of an X-Men guy. Um, but yeah, that cause was a major influence. And then you cross that with the films that my older brother made me watch that I was, yeah, definitely too young for, kind of like making me watch horror movies and sci-fi <laughs> movies. And like... My mum did that. She had me watching The Shining when I was about eight. Yeah, okay. And I couldn't so... come back to it until the two t- the two twins ruined me for about three years until I eventually got back around to it. Yeah, it's easily one of the kind of scariest scenes in a horror film because <laughs> you turn a corner, don't you? Little is it Danny? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, little Danny turns a corner <laughs> and then like yeah, so if you're turning any corner in any room, you're a little bit like, Oh shit, what's gonna be around the corner? So <laughs> Yeah. Um, what was the, the thing that scared me the most was there's a scene in A Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched it when I was nine years old. Wow. Um, Freddy, well, no, okay, so it's a dream sequence, obviously, in a classroom, and a kid wakes up from his dreams at his classroom desk, and he sees a body bag lift itself up, and a bloody body bag just oh. lift itself up and drag itself across the classroom floor. And anything like that, I was just like, oh, my God, what's going on? This is the scariest thing in the world, so... <laughs> Yeah, that kind of stuff creeped me out. I do wonder what kind of psychological impact that has, and and how much that has to answer for us being illustrators. Actually, I do often, you know, look back at these as quite formative events that, you know, <laughs> for the wrong reasons, maybe, but you know, 
Well, <laughs> I agree. I mean, I was completely obsessed with... I used to redraw the T-800 from Terminator. Oh, yeah. The endoskeleton, just constantly. And then I got into kind of more movies and more kind of like Blade Runner. And yeah, as you get older, you kind of invest in the more mature kind of sci-fi films and stuff. But yeah, mm. really influential in terms of... I still haven't been able to re-watch Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm, no, I'm nowhere near watching The Exorcist. Um, gonna, Are you still a horror movie fan? Um, no, but the one film that is dragging me back to the cinema next month is It. Oh, okay. I've still not seen the, I'm reading the book as we speak. I am so, too. I'm listening I, uh, to the audiobook. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I don't, I'm about halfway as we speak. And, uh, it's, been, it's been a long, you know, it's, it's a very talking nearly a thousand words. Yeah, it's a very long one. Um, but I've not, still, I've not seen the original or obviously the new ones now yet. But, so I'm going to save the two of them for when I finish the book. I always like to try and do the book first if I can. Yeah, fair enough. That's exactly what I've done as mm. well. Like a good book suggestion for another film that's coming out next year is Ready Player One. Um, film directed by Steven Spielberg. Right, I've seen, yeah, I've seen stuff about this. Yeah, Looks so kind of, very good. It's our generation, kind of like complete. It's an eighties pop culture mm. kind of invested film. So yeah, worth, <laughs> worth a watch. Absolutely. So well, since we're back in, what, what about what is your background? What are your roots? Are you, you got a great family? Um, no, not really at all. Actually, my um, my dad uh, is a GP. Um, my mum, kind of stay at home mum, looked after us. My brother um, was a kind of science guy, so he and he's now a doctor as well. But we, they're originally from Sri Lanka. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, my parents moved over to the UK when they were in their thirties, um, and then they kind of. My dad worked in London for quite a bit um, when he was like, yeah, around thirty, thirty-five, and and then he moved. Uh, he kind of had us. And moved us to South Wales for mm. just work purposes. He got an opportunity to kind of start his own GP practice, and then yeah, wow. I went from there. Um, but yeah, not a creative family at all. Unfortunately, not the most supportive of family in terms of creativity. Purely, I understand now because they didn't understand what creativity was. All they knew was medicine and science. Mm. And my dad will tell you, like he grew up in a mud hut essentially and wow, okay. kind of fought his way out of that mm. squalor to kind of like you know have his own surgery and kind of house and family yeah, and stuff wow. and that's all he knows so he finds it very difficult to kind of sympathize with anything yeah. else you know this is the thing isn't it i mean i've been writing about this in the minute for a, for a book and it's all about what's called the chemistry of creativity and it is about that and one of the points i'm making is, is how you there's no way to understand what we what we know instinctively yeah. Um, unless you felt it yourself, that pull and that that necessity to create, you know, if that's in you, yeah, and, and you find a way of using that, unless you've tasted that, it's very hard to convey it to anyone because there are so many variables. It is, and I think the one thing that would kind of help um, my family understand a bit more is my dad once said that he always wanted to run his own business, not from a medical point of view, but from like any other kind of business. Mm-hmm. And here's me, kind of like running my own illustration business and that kind of thing and if I'm able to share with the kind of pitfalls and and the good parts of that that's something that he may be able to kind of understand but yeah in terms of the creative side of things no not mm. really, yeah, quite difficult well it's a it's a famous old conundrum isn't it it's still as prevalent now unfortunately as it always yeah, was yeah yeah in a lot of places I mean I guess I was blessed in that respect my parents were you know, my mum was cruel you know was creative my dad's could draw. Well, yeah. I won't say it was creative as such, but he could draw, and he, and he just let me get on with it. There wasn't any pressure. There wasn't any 
um, there was encouragement when I showed it, but you know. The other thing, though, is there's the Asian thing. There's being an Asian person and doing anything else that that isn't kind of science, or law, or kind of medicine, or anything kind of that an Asian family would kind of see from afar, you know, from Western side of point, and how could they kind of help in terms of moving out of their own country and coming to the West and saying like, okay, I can offer you my medical kind of, in, you know, um, yeah. learning and stuff. I've been watching a lot of comedy and TV shows from kind of South Asian peoples like Aziz Ansari and Mindy Kaling and um, Hassan Minaj. And they're all able to kind of talk from their own point of view of being creative people and having this very stern Asian kind of upbringing and like, yeah, parents not really understanding what they do and they use it for their own comedic mm. ability now, kind of like, yeah, expressing that. So it's... That's very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a personal project I want to work on next is kind of doing portraits of those guys just to kind of push it even further, saying like, I am a kind of South Asian person and I, I have these issues but I'm unable to kind of share them with the mainstream without mm. I don't know you know I'm hiding behind a kind of a wall of um, projects but none of them at the moment are personal to what I've been able to kind of express you know? yeah so yeah it's definitely something I'm kind of looking to do next but a string of kind of commercial projects that's come over the first year of being with an agent, you kind of get lost in it a little bit. Of course you do, naturally you have to, I think you have to, to then rediscover the desire to find a little more balance with your own stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I've got to kind of, so after this project I'm working on, it's get getting the sketchbooks, it's kind of figure out what, where you kind of had this love and why you had it, kind of had it, and then start ex- exploring those ideas, basically. Mm. So what were you, in that case, what were your sort of first taste of, you know, I mean, did you draw, did you draw, when did it become a conscious thing that you you sort of wanted to push? So definitely when I was about kind of, um, was it nine, ten, around that age, kind of getting into films like, uh, well, Terminator, Aladdin, kind of. um, Aladdin's a good one. Aladdin was a great one. It was my my favourite Disney movie, easily, Mm. um, which is kind of. You know, everyone was like sacrilegious, you know, Lion King. But no, Aladdin was my favourite. <laughs> um, but yeah, just getting into films and then redrawing scenes from those films, characters from those films. And that was just like, I'd lock myself away in the bedroom and kind of draw. And then I got to GCSE and A, well, GCSE level, and my teachers were like, you should definitely, you know, do kind of push to do an, art, an A level uh, in art. Um, and then I had a great uh, art teacher who was like very. Yeah, he was really great in terms of kind of encouraging me and kind of saying, yes, you can do this. Like, this is a really good, you know, good thing that you... I was spending all of my free periods in A-level in the art room, basically, kind of mm. while everyone else was kind of cramming for exams. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to draw and kind of not <laughs> do very well at the rest of them, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so in terms of kind of that's how it started. And my parents, yeah, they were... They were kind of like, oh, he's just doing his drawing thing and that's like fun. Um, mm. But they, I think they had the idea that come, you know, you turn 18, you're like, oh, you're going to go to university and do a proper, <laughs> proper thing now, aren't you? And mm. yeah, that kind of. Kind yeah, of yeah. But in terms of influences, that's, yeah, that's yeah. where I came from. Did you, were you known for it at school? Was it something that people, you know, they knew you were a go-to draw type of thing? Yeah, if you speak to kind of any of the people I went to school with, they would be so happy Mm. where I am now because they're like he's done it you know he's actually drawing for a living because 
I was completely obsessed and I was looking back through my old yearbook not long ago and nearly every one of the comments is like, don't forget us when you're a famous artist. <laughs> That's brilliant though, isn't it? It's, it's I mean, really supportive, it's really nice. It's kind of it's yeah. a great, yeah, it's a great trigger. I mean, I, I loved it. It was the closest thing I had to impressing any girls. You know, it was like, <laughs> there's no other way that I was getting on anyone's radar. And even then I didn't. It didn't in my head, it might, but it didn't. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had that kind of like thought process when I was a kid. It's like, oh, maybe I can use my art to impress girls. But I was like, mm. it never worked. I thought one day it might, but you know, I don't know. I guess it does with my girlfriend. But. Mine too. She's a kind of PhD student, so oh, yeah. she's creative in her own way. But she she looks at the work and she's like, how are you able to do this stuff? Like, this is mad. So yeah, she's really into it. So that's cool. It's brilliant. So, so what did you did you study? So, um, yeah, I got to 18 and I was like to my mum and dad, look, my art teacher, he's really supportive of my art. I think he's, you know, he's saying I should push this as a career. So mum, dad, I want to be an artist. And the obvious thing any South Asian kid would know, they said no straight away. There's like, there's no way you're going to be able to earn a living out of that. Like, how are you supposed to be an artist? Like, this is ridiculous. You should do something where you can be creative and have a regular income, um, have a kind of like regular job. My dad's completely obsessed with the idea of the nine to five, like because that's what he does, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like kind of, why don't you do architecture, you know? And I was kind of, I was really like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I kind of, yeah, I'm never going to get past the kind of parent barrier of being, you know, let me be an artist. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to do architecture. And I ended up at Kingston University. So I was surrounded by fine art students, illustration students. This is when, so this is, um, and kind of architecture students, obviously, graphic design, product design. They all shared the same kind of canteen, the, the Knights Park Bar in Kingston. So I was able to kind of intermingle with lots of different creative people. So throughout then, I kind of ended up doing seven years worth of architecture training, wow. um, which is a lot, but... You know, you do your three years, your undergrad degree, and then all your friends are kind of like, we're going to go do postgrad now. And I was like, okay, I'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I got dragged into doing postgrad. And then I think it was like year five, six, I, th- I was kind of like, this isn't for me. You know, I'm the, the things I enjoy the most were making models of my architectural projects, kind of doing the map drawings that kind of came with doing a lot of the drawing work and when it came to designing buildings, my teachers were like, you're really good at um, kind of explaining the story behind the buildings, taking th- taking people through the buildings, doing beautiful drawings of your building designs. You're not so great at how they come together, how they're actually constructed. You mm-hmm. know, what are the things behind between the walls that put, that put these buildings together? And then, and like the final um, nail in the coffin was that my final year tutor was like, Sham, we've you've had to produce this like so much work for your project at the end of the year and all i can say is that the presentation and the kind of books that you produced are absolutely amazing the building is not as strong because you haven't invested that time Mm. into construction into kind of engineering side of things and and then by that point i kind of graduated you know and that was you know i did well and then i worked for a year or two as an architect and then i just Called my mum and dad. I was kind of my hair was falling out from oh, stress, stress-induced really? alopecia. Because I was like, oh, "This isn't for me. This isn't the right thing." And my mum and dad, this is when your mum and dad kind of come in and they're like, 
don't worry about it. Just stop. You know, take some time off, figure out what you want to do. And I was like in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to be a you know illustrator, a graphic designer. At that point, I still didn't know. So yeah, that's what I ended up doing until I wow. came to my decision. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one way to find out. I follow up. But the thing is, you ask yourself, like, I've spoke to a lot of my friends, and like, if you had done illustration from the beginning, would you still have done, you know, reached it by the time you finished your degree? Would you still be an illustrator? I was like, oh, maybe not. You know, it, mm-hmm. it took doing a seven-year architecture course to actually get yeah. me to, you know. It happens. I mean, and also you you never know what you bring from that, you know, in terms of difference and uh, different route and sort of experiences. I always a big believer in that. I don't think any time's wasted. Yeah, so, absolutely. Know. Like the other thing is like I've made a load of friends in architecture who kind of have a different way of looking at things as well. So I haven't grown up in that kind of like illustration mindset, you know, along with a lot of other illustration students where I imagine incredibly competitive. You're kind of like, I came into my illustration career not knowing anyone, you know, so I've just done things my own way and not really mm-hmm. had any guidance or advice from anyone, which some people would say is not the best thing to do, but I don't, yeah, it's kind of how I've done it, so. Well, exactly, and, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing things as well. You just, it's always about being responsive, I think. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to be doing you any too much harm. No, no, you know? not at all. Like when, so kind of after I decided I wanted to stop doing architecture and concentrate on, at that point, it was just making art. It was, whether it be design, graphic design or illustration, I didn't really know. I managed to save enough cash while I was working as an architect to kind of like fund my living for a while. And then I started doing personal projects and putting them up online and stuff. One of personal project that I remember from like four or five years ago was doing um, alternative book covers for Quentin Tarantino's screenplays. Oh, they're really nice, those, yeah. So those ones are actually, re like, I've, I've redone them since. Like, if you do a little Google search on me, you'll find the originals, and they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> they're really bad, but they got picked up on lots of different websites, on Shortlist Magazine, kind of put up, did a bit, massive article, and after that, I got approached by a very small publisher called No Exit Press, Mm-hmm. to do a load of Penguin-inspired book covers, you know, for a, ser- a horror series or a kind of thriller series by an author called Jason Starr. And they are, kind of show them to you later, but they're, they're very, they were inspired by kind of 1960s Polish film posters. Cool. So nothing cool. like what I've done now, but they're very, they're kind of like um, using actual photography and kind of like in black and white and kind of like you know really kind of grungy and gritty images Mm. um so from off the back of a personal project the first one i ever did i got you know approached by this small publisher and it was doing something that you know i didn't really know what i was doing at the time but i was like oh yeah this is great and it's been a series that is ongoing and is still going and i have a good relationship with that publisher who kind of come to me every now and again for for illustration jobs i've managed to kind of um work with them so that my style has changed with them so they're able to come to me now and I'm like I can do the stuff that I'm you know you know used to basically yeah which is really good very cool and I've been building clients ever since basically I'm just very tenacious just calling people up yeah you've always been quite sort of bullish in that respect I think so yeah you kind of you don't if you kind of 
if you don't ask, you don't get, right? You just, so true. Well, you have to. You just have to kind of go out there and do do as much as you can in terms of. I'm finding it a bit difficult, you know, with my agency. Like, am I still meant to be promoting? I get. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to be promoting work, but do I still call clients up, or you know, what do I do there? So that's something I'm kind of talking to with my mm. agents and you know, seeing. Yeah, go I've there. got yeah, I've got a relationship with my agent where I very much work people myself. You know, yeah, I I, I insist. Nine times out of ten, I've been given the client's contact before the job's even confirmed because I just got experience from picking up the phone and being right, nice, right, trying yeah, to be nice yeah. to people and having it and finding out what they need, what they want, and and I find that helps to get jobs over the line. Whereas some people like they are into everything, which is again, there's nothing wrong with that approach either. But for me, I just find it's better if they speak to you direct early on in the process. They just gain a little bit more trust, and you can it helps yeah. you to convince them that you're the person to go with. You know. Well, that's another good thing that debut art do. They kind of. They approach you and say, "Hey, you know, would you be up for this?" And they give they give me the brief. But then, as soon as I'm like, "Yeah," it's handed straight over, and you and the client are just talking to one another, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of build relationships with with those guys. Like, um, so yeah, there is a it's a good kind of um, practice, and you know, to getting to talk to people on the phone and kind of yeah. I had built a kind of client base before at my agency, so I was able to have experience with that as well, which is yeah. good. But, I think yeah. it's a healthy thing actually to spend some time independently and, and just like you said take the hard knocks get used to the rejection a little bit and, and you know and then therefore it's a great buzz when you do get those you know yeah, those yeah. moments where someone really does respond or give you a job absolutely get used to just doing kind of crap work for a while as well not with clients but just when you start on your own when I was doing that I did that alternative book cover project but I was also doing completely assessed of films just doing alternative movie posters mm-hmm about four or five years ago and um at the time not it was quite a few people doing them but not as much as there are now nowadays there's hundreds and hundreds of up-and-coming kind of artists and illustrators that do alternative movie posters and just put them out online they kind of submit power of social media you can just send them straight to the director of the film and the director of the film retweets it and it gives you a buzz and Mm. you're not getting paid for that work but you are building confidence and that's like a very valuable God, yeah. yeah, and also you're indicating where you want to go. You know, you're, you're obviously doing this stuff out of passion. Therefore, I think the results show when you're loving your work. You know, and, and also it connects with us. But the fact that you're doing it and putting it out there, I, I think you lead from the front in that respect and, and use that as a statement of intent. Absolutely, you do see kind of younger, less experienced artists put their work up, but you always kind of think, oh, they they're comparing themselves to to you guys online, and they're just like. Okay, how can I get better? How can I get better? So they're constantly kind of improving their own work. <laughs> I can't get a picture. <laughs> so to describe what's going on, um, one of my cats, Daenerys, uh, good name, Daenerys, obviously of the House Targaryen, is kind of sat on, <laughs> on her back on my lap, just kind of like waiting for more cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That'll melt a few arts in social media out of the show. <laughs> I remember, so I listened to a few of your episodes before, and I remember you saying, like, I don't want to see a fucking cat on social media, but... Hypocrite, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, 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 no. But the thing is, I kind of disagree with that, and I think you do too from some... Because I, I took a picture of my other cat, Mobius, and I sat him next to a kind of graphic novel that was illustrated by the artist, mm. Mobius. 
And if it educates someone to kind of be like, ooh, who is this actual artist? Well, it's context, isn't it? If it's, if it's in context, exactly. I think that's, you know, there is my guest with a cat on his lap. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you kind of show little Daenerys watching Game of Thrones, you know, getting excited <laughs> about it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Then, then, yeah, watch the social go through the roof. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so, you worked, so you worked in other graphic design positions right before you worked freelance? I did, yeah. So after kind of working on my own for a bit, building a few clients, doing still not really developing a style. I'm be, I'm definitely kind of um doing my own work based on artists and inf, you know, influential designers. So I didn't really have my own kind of thing going on at the time, my style. I um figured like, okay, what am I doing here? I should get a kind of regular dad calling again, like regular income, nine to five. How can I do that as a artist, as an illustrator? And I approached Scribbler greeting cards for a permanent position. And yeah, I had a good enough portfolio of personal projects and they were like, yeah, come on board. And I, I ended up doing greeting cards, wrapping paper designs, kind of bag designs, lots of different things for them over the period of a year. Mm. Um, and it was a really good education all through the while my head of design um, around my age was going going you should go out on your own you can you can do this you know that and I was like I still wasn't kind of I was still really uncomfortable with the idea of being my own Mm. um, kind of self-employed person it was kind of scary so but yeah I ended up doing that for a year and kind of yeah I moved on to um, I wanted a graphic design experience so I moved on to Leon Restaurants and I got a very kind of good graphic design experience. It was very much typography and letter spacing and kind of like, you know, space between lines and letters and stuff. So, and head of design there was really good. And I ended up designing packaging for them. I did kind of like chocolate bar packaging and crisp packaging, which for any kind of designer starting out, it's like, that's an amazing gig, you know, to get a kind of package. So I, but I didn't really kind of think of it at the time. I was like, oh, this is cool. And got to work with, the head of design, the marketing director, and the head of the company as well. Mm. So I got really got a good experience there. But again, nearing the end of it, I was like, this isn't me. This is like I'm working mm. for someone else here. I'm not working for myself. I'm not putting my own ideas onto paper. Yeah. And that's when I left. You can't, you can't, there's only so long you can deny that urge, isn't there as well? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the marketing director there, to her credit, she was like, you are leaving for the right reasons. You are leaving because you want to do your own thing. And and she said it, I think she I think it was me or it was her, but she was like, I want to see your work on billboards. I want to see it on big mm. things and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait. And then a year later, I ended up getting a pretty big job, which we can chat about later. But yeah, it was, it was, it was nice leaving Leon because I left on good terms and they were like, we're happy that you're leaving because you're doing your own thing. That's great, yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know, and that's it's really important. I had a similar thing with Waterstones, yeah, bookstore. Yeah. You know, it was uh, I had colleagues who were, I remember one of them turning around to me one day and saying, When are you going to stop talking about it and when are you going to do it? Because I know you can. Uh, yes. And it was almost yeah. frustrating him to hear me so passionately talking about that and not quite making the leap. Uh, you know, and eventually I did, but uh, but yeah, yeah, that's great to have that from from peers and people you're working for. Absolutely, you know. Um, do, you, do you find just? I'm mean, I mean, it's going to be a little interview for you as well. <laughs> if you don't mind. Do you find yourself talking about the things you're going to do bef- long before you actually end up doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, without a doubt. Yeah, um, yeah. There's always a new idea coming up, and yeah, you know, a lot of it gets discarded because you 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 know I think big enough to cut some fat, but then. 
Yeah, I do very much so. There's always a, another big plan, another big thing that I move towards. Yeah, yeah. I guess you've got to kind of materialise it in your head and then with other people before you actually... You, know. you do, you do. It was Kingsley Nebeche was on the, on the show a while back and he put it really well, simply said thoughts become things. Mm. You know, and I was, you know, I was, I was going around the bus, around the houses, kind of giving this long-winded explanation of how you create these things way before you do them. Anyway, you just said that thoughts become things. I was yeah. like, okay, there we go. Three <laughs> words. <laughs> so, at what point did you start to feel like you you had started to hit upon a style? Um, I think I started kind of doing. Oh, so I was working after I left Leon. I was working for an artist collective which I had been which I had joined while I was at Scribbler and Leon so doing this work on, on the side um, called the Poster Pussy it was a kind of American artist collective and I approached them very early on in the career and was like hey I'd love to join you and these guys do they started out doing alternative movie posters and submitting them to the directors but with the kind of with the aim to actually get them commissioned and get them paid for, and that was the kind of deal. And I was doing a few of those. I ended up doing some for Ghostbusters, some for X-Men, and kind of like, um, what else did I do? I did I did a few others. I can't really remember. I have to have a look. But yeah, I've been doing a few of those. And um, I kind of got a job with doing X-Men Days of Future Past mm-hmm. and ended up working with... 20th Century Fox and they were kind of really they were pushing me to do a particular thing that they wanted to do and I kept doing the thing that I wanted to do and then I realised that I was beca- I ended up doing the work and it ultimately got rejected and I was like I need to stop myself from trying to do something that someone else wants and just focus on what I want to do even if it means just doing my own personal projects and not getting commissions for a while and just mm-hmm. focus on this style and the style came about from having influences like Daniel Klaus and just the American comics. I was like, what am I into? What am I really into? I was collecting, recollecting loads of comic books at the time as well. So I was like, this is the kind of thing that I'm into. I started doing that clean line style and that kind of Klaus and the and comic book illustrators have of the kind of 60s and 70s. Mm. Um, and then started doing these kind of crowd drawings. I, very, I did a Around the time, this was a, a, not long ago, this World of Warcraft came out, mm-hmm. Duncan Jones. I started. I did a kind of crowd drawing of all of these orcs and um, put it up, showed Duncan Jones online, and he was like, this is awesome, love it, retweet it. And I'm like, cool, this is great. I'm getting attention for a style that I'm into and that mm-hmm. I like. At the moment, you know, I'm kind of... And I've still been working on that style for the last two or three years and managed to get kind of good set of clients from it. Um but all the way through, you, you're constantly kind of trying to figure out new ways of creating images. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm, I'm not one for sticking with the same subject matter or or style to to that extent. Kind of, I had I did a lot of work for Little White Lies magazine. And I still work with them today. They're really great. And Timber Smiths, um, who was the art director, um, he his kind of motto was like, I don't really have a style. I like to kind of investigate new things. And because he was the art director of that magazine for three years, I think, he did a lot of the covers and you could put two of his covers next to one another and wouldn't know that they were by the same person. Mm. And I find that really cool, you know, but some people were like, no, 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 you need to have a kind of, I got told by a lot of people, like you need to have a style that's recognisable, but 
I do to some extent. I have a kind of line style that's recognisable. You do, yeah. I much. like to work with different subject matter now. So oh god, yeah. I think I think the subject, I think they're two separate things. I think right. I think yeah. the, I have a broad, very broad range within my own portfolio. But I think you can always get a sense that it's me who's done it. You know? yes. And I, I very much get that from yours. You don't the, you, the minute you land on your your homepage, it's, yeah. there, it's there. It's great. But there's there's a lovely difference within every piece in terms of the colour palettes and as you say the subject matter which is great there's a real dynamism about it and that's the thing I think it just keeps you sane doesn't it (laughs) well it does oh my god I I could not churn out the same stuff some do and some have that real obsessive nature where that's they they love that and that's that's really cool but me personally I've got a real fast moving mind that needs the next challenge it sounds like you've got a similar thing similar thing like I was listening to you have a chat with Rod Hunt Mm -hmm. um who I kind of look at the work and I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. Like, how can you, mm-hmm. how can you do this? How can you stay sane by doing this? this you know, and um, when you check, when you listen to him talk, he seems pretty relaxed and kind of down to earth about it all. And you're like, okay, this is him. This is who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you realise you're like, oh right, okay, I get it. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and, and they're incredible rod stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen his studio was a couple of corridors down from me where I'm currently yes. based. Yeah, and his pencil sketches are more detailed than my finals. You know, they're, 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 I mean, they are as you see them in the final thing. It's kind of a the, you know a hand done pencil version of that. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is, <laughs> this is a, a absolutely you know mind blowing stuff. But it takes a while. It takes a while to develop your own thing and your own way of working and like. Oh, it does. And that's. I mean, I do like kind of. I do the occasional um, lecture and talk and stuff to anyone who will listen. Basically, my <laughs> old my old school. They kind of invited me back for the last few years to talk to A level students and GCSE students just before they're about to make their big decisions. And I kind of. I love kind of giving advice to those guys because that at that time you're you can develop your style from that age and keep going from mm-hmm. there and you know uh, it, it took me kind of the better part of five or six years to actually get to a point where I feel comfortable enough that I can like not you know not get rid of the work after it's done to, you know not look at it again but I can look at it now and be like oh yeah cool I'm happy with this you know yeah Com- yeah completely that's it if you get to that point you're kind of like okay now. How can I challenge myself on this style? How can I kind of push myself on this? You know, I'm I'm comfortable with the way it looks now, and now let me keep pushing. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be in that place, isn't it? I'm I'm, I'm about there. I've been doing this nine years now, and I'm, I, I you know, but I know there's a decent standard to it now. I'm always a perfectionist, so I, I very quickly look back and think, oh my god, I need another upgrade. But yeah, uh, I think I'm always going to have that. So there's a there's a level of acceptance after a while that you. You should always be progressing. Therefore, you will always look back and think, "No, oh, actually, it's not that great anymore." Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. you know, is that maybe that's a bad sign if you don't do that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I came to a point after doing these kind of. So I've on my website, I'll see there's lots of like where's Wally style drawings, lots of crowds, lots of maps, lots of tiny detailed drawings, and I got to a point where I was like, I am getting tired of this. This is really kind of doing my nothing. So I was like, okay, personal project, go. Um, social media and mental health I listened to the episodes you did on mental health and I was kind of at the same time I was doing some drawings about how we're obsessed with our phone and how our phones are kind of like strangling us and stuff and I did this I did one image of quite it's not a dark image because of the colour palette I used and kind of like it's got fun squidgy kind of bits coming out of it but it's a dude holding a phone to his face and then out the back of his head is a load of like Twitter birds and Facebook likes and mm. Facebook thumbs up and stuff coming out of the back of his head like he has killed himself, like he's kind of completely overwhelmed with it. And then the next one I did was 
a phone with tentacles coming out of it, strangling a dude. And mm. inside of him was the same social media likes, and and it was a personal project. And I was like, I'm happy now. This is something that I've, I've used from a personal project point of view. And then um, debut art contacted me and said, Hey, the new scientists have got a gig for you um, based on this thing that you did. And it was nothing. It was that one project in a in a kind of field of where's wally and crowd illustrations this was one thing they were like can you do a little bit of this for us and i was like yeah absolutely that sounds great ended up doing this kind of like was it an article on flow fluid dynamics flow dynamics where mm. about kind of natural flows and things you know flocks of birds and um schools of fish and stuff and it was like in that same style as the kind of the social media mental health thing i was like oh this is kind of closer to my kind of sci-fi obsessed surrealist mm. brain you know let me keep going with this yeah so that's where i'm going to move to next but brilliant it's, you know. it's yeah it's important to get an understanding and like i say i always say this to students i have a friend who's just gone out different field he's gone out as a filmmaker recently and um he's you know he's read a butter at the minute is corporate and weddings and that type of thing but he's not that Oof. and doesn't want to be that therefore yeah. i said be very careful how much of you show that in your portfolio because like attracts like yeah. and therefore you have to be mindful of, of planting things in there with the explicit purpose of, of bringing in stuff you want you know yeah, uh, being quite pr- protective of that and it's worth seeing going through a few bleak periods to get to where you need to be you know? I would say so I'd also say kind of do as much as you need to do like don't if you get hired for loads of corporate jobs and it's keep it's ongoing ongoing like you'll start to lose yourself in them. Even if it's like you're doing it at the moment just to save money or to build... Mentally, you're like, oh, is, you'll, you'll start getting to a point where it's like, is this all I'm good for? And Yeah. You, know. you see it happen all the time. You know, It's very easy to lose sight of where you're going and where you, where you want to go. Yeah, exactly. I've kind of said... I started saying no to wedding invites. I uh, did a lot of wedding invites when I was starting out because I was obsessed with like, oh, you know, I've got to get a good kind of education in graphic design and typography and all this stuff. Mm. Did some good ones, but I was like, I got recently asked by a friend, can you do one? And I was like, no, I just had to say no. I had a really bad experience with a wedding, with a, with the last wedding invite I did. So I was like, yeah, I'm done now. So Yeah. I, I just think you just... evolve sometimes, don't you? And you have to be quite ruthless and cut certain things. And it hurts at first saying no. It always does, you know, because for so long we wanted nothing more than to do this. Therefore, when you say no, you feel like almost, there's all these things go through your head, like, oh my God, am I starting to forget arrogant? All these, you know, am I going to, is this going to backfire? Am I going to be out of work in two months' time? I don't know, but I yeah. just think you saying no can be as important as saying yeah, you know, in the right places. Yeah, there's a, so Jessica Hitch, she does, she's got a um, a link to a webpage that's shouldiworkforfree.com and it's like a massive spider diagram going taking you through the reasons why you shouldn't or should work for free. And the only reasons you should are for if it's for your mum, or if it's for a charity, but <laughs> not like a Greenpeace charity, like a small charity that you know yeah, it's build up. But they, they should be one that's like, um, I don't know, should I kind of work for the money or should I work for, you know, should I work for, is this for myself basically? Am I kind of doing this for myself? Yeah. They, they should be more spider diagrams where it's like more about satisfying your own mm-hmm. brain rather than the cash flow and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. It just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. So let's talk about the little white lies work that you did because I think it's fantastic and you won a DNA, DNA Day Award for that? Yeah, for a kind of a job that I did with for, um, which issue was it? 49. Um, it was the Kate Blanchett issue and it was 
what was the film? It was the Woody Allen film that was in. Oh, I can't remember the name of the film. Then. Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine. Yeah. And Timber Smiths was art directing, and I'd worked with Timber just before this issue for an exhibition called Not for Rental, and it was you got to kind of uh, you got given a video cassette kind of. Uh, uh, sleeve and you got to kind of illustrate whatever you wanted within the confines of that sleeve choose whatever film you wanted and I drew a picture of Chunk from the Goonies doing the truffle shuffle on the front <laughs> um, and he had a kind of Hawaii he's got a Hawaiian pattern shirt and then on the reverse of the kind of video uh, jacket cover I put the Hawaiian pattern in there and then that got exhibited and after that Timber was like hey do you want to come in on issue 49 I was like yeah sure um, and it was to illustrate a Korean film director called Hong Sang-soo. And um, it was just a small editorial illustration. And the whole issue itself uh, got the award. And as part of, as a kind of person in that issue, I also got the award. So I was kind of super chuffed, but it was very much the kind of the teamwork of Little White Lies, Timber himself, the rest of the illustrators in there were in there. Um, Mario Zuka did an amazing set of illustrations at the beginning, and Matt Taylor's in there as well. And there's mm. quite a few other people in there. Um, so yeah, we won it for that. And then Timber got me on for issue 50. It was a big issue, Brilliant. 50 different illustrators. And I feel like I messed the illustration up, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of fucked it up. I was moving house, I was painting my house at the time, and I was like super stressed. Like, I'm not going to be able to get this done. And I spoke to him afterwards at the exhibition. He's like, I don't think you did, but if you feel you did take a step back, kind of assess what you're doing and, you know, like have a think about what you should, you know, the kind of approach you should be having to editorial illustration. Mm-hmm. And then after that, yeah, it's kind of amazing yeah. thing about working it's with art directors, you know. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, so, yeah, that was an amazing experience. I've never put myself up for awards. This was a little, I, th- I don't know how the award was kind of given or who put, who mm-hmm. put the magazine up, but really great to win an award. Yeah. Have. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, as a film, huge film fan, what a great experience to work with. It's such a, such oh a beautiful magazine. Yeah, absolutely love it. And it's kind of um, every issue. Well, it's just, it shows how much care goes into each issue because print, everyone just keeps saying print is dying. But I think these books, people buy them and they keep them on their shelves. I've got like a string of the issues on my shelf because I love going back through them because... The care and attention to detail, the illustration. Every page has got an illustration on it, pretty much. Um, and their film reviews, they're really harsh on blockbusters and stuff, so it's a kind of different point of view from films. <laughs> and like, yeah. You know, it's amazing. And I, I most recently did... So the new art director, Loren, um, she... I've worked with... Because she worked kind of as part of the team with Timber so throughout the last few years, and now she's become art director, which... Is, amazing and she got me in for the Dunkirk issue and they got me to do the end papers for the issue which is like if you know the kind of Little White Lies magazine all the end papers kind of really beautifully designed so I'm like wow nice it's amazing kind of and it was for the Dunkirk issue so they're like can you illustrate Christopher Nolan's OVRA his back catalogue of films as an end paper that was that was it I was like shit what am I going to do and it's like Dun- <laughs> it's the Dunkirk issue so like you know we kind of want it in this map style you know like there's a scene in the film where one of the characters in Dunkirk is looking at this map and it's kind of you're surrounded at all sides basically and the illustration style was 1950s kind of like uh, line work basically so I knew why they'd come to me for the line work mm. and that was it I was it was an open enough brief and I was like 
Okay, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make an island out of the Batman logo. Definitely, this is amazing. So I kind of did the Dark Knight logo as the kind of island, and then I started to kind of build from there. I didn't actually have a plan. I was like, let me just go through each film and start building on top. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, just like the unfold. Yeah, which is kind of a nice way of working at the same time. Like, I think as I, I kind of like to switch from doing that to actually having a plan, you know, sketching it all out. And whereas sometimes I like to just be okay, I'm going to start building. I know the overall plan, which is the island, the map, and then mm-hmm. you sort of build on top of that. Um, but yeah, the best thing about doing illustrations for Little Eyes is you get to sell them as prints if you want to, so I just put it up on my shop and stuff. And Yeah, it's nice Fantastic. to do. Yeah. That's a nice touch, actually. That's good to see, because you know, you, you, I get more and more experiences where there's quite robust copyright terms and I have to really fight my corner. So that's nice to know that they're respectful of that. Yeah, I think kind of... It's such... Well, you would want to... You, you would want to share it as well. And even if Little White Lies were putting it on their shop, they would still mm. kind of like, you know, adhere to your kind of needs as, as the artist as well. So, yeah. 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 Do you think of your fandom and kind of being a part of, I always think it's such a beautiful thing being a part of anything that's considered remotely geeky. I, I myself am, you know, a massive wrestling fan. I'm into uh, films myself, yeah. um, all sorts of different things along those lines. And I think you understand the the, ment- the mass mentality and what people love about that. Has that helped you to not only on an inspiration level, but also to understand the world that you're putting this work you out? You know into? what? It has for a very long time, but it's starting to get to me a little bit because just from my own personal point of view. So. When I joined the Post Posse, the Art Collective, um, they're still going really strong, and I, I kind of I left to kind of pursue my own kind of style and, and kind of editorial work and stuff. But um, the, the geekdom, the fandom, you're just like yes, completely obsessed, and you start doing personal projects related to IP, related to intellectual property, other people's characters, other people's work. Mm. And I've been doing that for a while, and I've started, and it's amazing when you get to share your love for a film for a tv show with someone else and they're like we like this yeah this is amazing do they like it because you're depicting their favorite character or do they like it because they like your style your art and mm, approach good point. and that is the thing that scared me a lot you know for i went to thought bubble festival this kind of comics festival in leeds and i spoke to an artist and he was doing a lot of ip related work and I came across one of his images that wasn't related to IP. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. He's like, yeah, I kind of had to do it to prove to myself and to my audience that mm. I can sell pieces of work that aren't related to IP. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now, basically. Right, like, so there must be real satisfaction from the likes of the new scientist stuff because it's an original and it's your ideas. And, yes, yeah. exactly. And that's where I want to go and take my personal work in that direction, just... But you have to kind of put rules... Well, I have to put rules on myself because I always, whenever a new film comes out, I'm like, oh, I want to do a poster for it. I want to, I want, yeah. you know, I want to share it with people because I love movies so much. Like, the new It film is coming out. I've got these crazy ideas for, like... Because while well, you're reading the book right now, but Pennywise is invading people's dreams and fears. Yeah, and yeah. There's so much crazy shit that you yeah. do for... I guess image. that then opens up the space for you to really do something that is quite original. And like exactly. you said, not using an existing character, a real conceptual take on it. Which exactly. Is... When I was part of this artist collective, we found it very difficult because we started, we ended up working for movie clients, for kind of like Disney, 20th Century Fox, and there is strict guidelines behind. You kind of have to look, your characters have to look like the reference imagery we give mm. you. And you look back at kind of 
film poster design, you can see the kind of the journey from Sal Bass, you know, um, and I, I, what did you, oh shit, people are going to kill me because he did The Shining, he did loads, of, uh, The Man with the Golden Arm, like 60s movie posters, mm. and you see it transform into the 90, or into the 80s, the Drew Struzan, where he's doing Indiana Jones, and the characters become more related to the actor's needs, and it's like, I want my head this big on the poster, and yeah. it ends up being the photographic approach. Yeah. And I want to get I want to get movie posters back to that point of like, oh, we can be you know we it's, you get the essence of the film, but it's a cartoon looking drawing. It's like yeah, God, you know, yeah. There's so many stunning conceptual posters out there, you know, wonderful yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's why I love collecting illustrated movie posters. Like we're sat in a room of, you know, some of my favorite illustrated movie posters. And Mondo and America do these amazing illustrated movie posters, and the post posse themselves, the guys I used to work with. They were, they're now working for massive clients and they're just doing these amazing illustrations. And they're, they're pushing their creative out, output so that it isn't just a floating heads poster. And I'm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's just there's too much safety, especially at the higher end of things, blockbuster end. Yeah. You know, I go past Picture House in Greenwich every day on the bus, mm-hmm. on to my studio, and it's always at least one or two good strong independent movie posters up there and I just think I wish everyone had that integrity really and, and didn't just try to please everyone you know but well the, uh, the thing is so two movie posters that are coming out or that one that's already come out and one that's coming out in the winter the one that came out recently was Baby Driver mm-hmm. which was influenced by the Drew Struzan way of thinking of but it was hand-drawn characters um by Rory Kurtz and it's just beautiful because you can actually see the pencil strokes you can see everything in there and that is adhering to that style the one that's coming out soon or two again from the same artist James Jean did that picture on the wall mm. um, he's so Darren Aronofsky's got a new film called Mother and um, it's a poster of Jennifer Lawrence holding her kind of bloodied heart um, uh. in her hands and it's his style, but it's a style that he has developed in his own fine artist career. And then a client has come to him saying, can you do your thing yeah. for our film? And that's when it's like, you get that originality, you get that kind Absolutely. of Absolutely, like, that's you know? holy grail, isn't it? And he's doing um, Guillermo del Toro's movie poster as well, The Shape of Water, which is online mm. right now. So I think it's getting there. I think we're getting there where movie companies will come up to Kind of big artists and illustrators and say, can you do your thing for our yeah, film? That's not so, because uh, you know, we, we, we would be nice to have a renaissance. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to ever go to... Oh, my God, no. I mean, we've had some golden eras. To get any earlier, that would be incredible. But like yeah. you say, maybe we're opening for a little bit too much to go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done stuff for Lucasfilm, right? You did the series Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. stuff. That must have been incredible. That was... Well, so that was through... So most recently I did one... Um, it was a kind of hollow foil uh, print for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Mm. And um, it was an illustration of the Death Star, but the Death Star was kind of made up into all of the characters from the film and kind of like that Rogue One has got, got stormtroopers on the beaches and stuff, so I've got loads of palm trees everywhere, making up the shape of a Death Star. But that kind of um, approach came from a gig I did with Lucasfilm earlier in the year, maybe it was the two years ago, but it was with the poster party and we we actually got a, a Star Wars show in Marseille 
um, and Disney and Lucasfilm came to the to the artist collective Postbus that I was with, and they said we want to put on a kind of Star Wars show and we want you know this many illustrators and artists and stuff, and I managed to do two. I want to do the three, you know, for the each film in the original trilogy, but I did A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and I did um, a Rebel helmet. Um, made up of all of the characters from A New Hope, and then a kind of then Boba Fett's helmet made up of all the characters from Empire Strikes Back, and I've still got artist proofs of those, which I'm going to kind of sell later down the line. But that's where those jobs came from. But you get to work with Lucasfilm and Disney, and you do adhere to their rules because it's Lucasfilm and Disney. Of course. Like, this is amazing. This is the yeah. best thing I've done. We put on an amazing show in Marseille. It was in like some government building that had a kind of exhibition <laughs> space in Marseille and we got to go out there. I got to meet members of this art collective that beforehand I was only exchanging Facebook posts and emails with them. So I got to kind of hang out with a load of artists and have our work on show. And I got there and I'd met one of the artists that was there was this guy who goes by the name of Mexi Funk, I think, Orlando Aracena. He's a vector illustrator but he paints an illustrator with vector lines and I'd heard about him for a while and I was like okay this guy you know he seems a bit crazy online he seems a bit and I met up with him and he was like right Sham you're here like let's go to the press conference and I was like what's going on what? and I, I had to meet the gallery owner and there's like 20 people in the show but I was one of three people that turned up early you know a day early so and I was with so I brought my girlfriend along with me and we were dating. We've been dating for like not that long at this point. <laughs> and she sits in the audience. I sit at the front of this press conference and there's like loads of, it's obviously in Marseille, there's loads of French going on. And I'm like, okay, what, what is going on here? And I'm just ner- a nervous wreck. And they're like <laughs> interviewing us and stuff. Mm. And one of the audience members is, or maybe it was the gallery owner, but he was like, oh, how long have you been doing this? How old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm 25. And my girlfriend kind of looked over and she's like, and I was like super nervous and I lied about my age to the press and I was just and I just had no idea what I was Fantastic. doing yeah and they, yeah. she was like Sham you're definitely not I was like I know I know what have I done but yeah very yeah it was a great experience and get to exhibit and stuff it was my first major exhibition group show yeah meeting a load of artists yeah there you go. but yeah Press conferences and interviews and stuff. That was very... Yeah. <laughs> and what about the work with Greenpeace? I was quite interested in that. It seems like quite a departure. Yeah, yeah. So after the kind of Star Wars stuff and leaving the post posse, I was like, I want to start doing my own personal projects and commissions based on this crowd style, this kind of Where's Wally thing. And I had gotten a couple of jobs. I got an Eastern Electrics Festival for two years and then... Um, I joined YCM Mm -hmm. and through YCM I got approached by Greenpeace and they saw the stuff I did in Eastern Electrics and they're like oh can you do some stuff for us and I I did a a job for Greenpeace that was purely internal so it's a bit disappointed I couldn't show it online but the best thing about that job was they got me to do this other one which was um, make change happen it was a kind of campaign um, just to tell people in general about what Greenpeace does on a daily basis and who they are. And it was a kind of illustrated uh, leaflet and it was a kind of a larger image on, on one side and then it was kind of smaller spot illustrations on the other side for the small panels in the leaflet and they had bits of information. And I got to work with a graphic design studio called Minuteworks and 
they were really great at kind of like um, helping me out in terms of how I could approach my illustration to fit the actual design of the leaflet and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, they they want they saw uh, this is again is another personal project. They saw the stuff I'd done with Eastern Electrics, but they saw this T-shirt design I did for Daft Punk. I was like, it was just a personal project, but I wanted to completely obsessed with we're running out of time I'm completely obsessed with Daft Punk touring in 2017 to kind of like you know because it's uh anniversary of their 2011 2007 album so I did a t-shirt it's like the Alive 2017 tour and it was this egg-shaped illustration based around the around the world music video kind of illustrated all of the characters from the music video going around this kind of egg-shaped uh thing and Greenpeace saw that and they were like, can you do that for us? And I was like, yes, absolutely. This is great. I love doing personal projects that then influence yeah, commercial jobs. Just the biggest lesson in the world. Like, do whatever you want and then just put it out online and people will come to you for it. Not immediately, eventually. Like, the gap between doing that Daft Punk thing and the Greenpeace coming in was like a year and a half, two years. Oh, good, yeah. You have to weigh it out. and yeah. Well, you do. You have to bet on yourself with it and, yeah. and, and put it out there and trust, you know. And, and yeah, like I so said, when that advent happens, it's, it's great. Because like, then you're winning, you know. Yeah. Really <laughs> and so, yeah, Greenpeace kind of asked me to do this illustration. It was really nice getting to draw kind of regular people, drawing kind of the animals, the kind of the typical things mm. that Greenpeace kind of promote in terms of um, what they do. And yeah, it was lots of fun doing that. Job. Yeah, and it's a great and urgent cause as well. So, you know, it's a great to be part of something that, that hopefully will force positive change. Absolutely. They um, they called me again to do another job and I was like, I am going to Tokyo tomorrow. <laughs> I, oh, can't, right. I can't do this. This is really upsetting me. But the best, I, they were like, can you... Do you have anyone in mind and that, like, to help out? And I was like, yeah, here are three illustrators straight mm. away. Like, built up a load of kind of friends in, in in illustration over the last few years. So I was like, here's three illustrators that you could use. You know, go for it. Yeah. So hopefully they they did end up using one of those guys. But um, yeah, kind of like yeah. It's like, I was Tokyo. I went there for the last, last year for the first time. It blew me away. Oh my god! Just I Japan, kind of, just Japan in general. Yeah, well, I was there a few months ago, so it was. I describe it as the best place I've ever been to in my entire life. Mm. This is Japan in general, Tokyo more so. But like, we went to Tokyo. What did we do? Five days in Tokyo, and then we went to Nikko, which is kind of like this small kind of. It was like a shrine area on the top of the mountain, so it was like this kind of one street of shops um, and hotels and stuff. And then at the very top was this kind of shrine area. So you only go to, you go to Nico just for this one place. There's five story pagodas and crazy architecture out there. But, and then we went to Kyoto, Hiroshima, and then back to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But I, the one thing that came for me was everyone was really nice. Yeah, I found that too. <laughs> Which is nuts, right? And cause you kind of, I don't know, I, feel, I hate kind of like comparing, but you come back home and you're like, this place is so dirty and everyone's so mean and what, what's going on? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But everyone was so nice. The architecture was absolutely beautiful. You have these kind of very different kind of styles of architecture and kind of design out there. Mm. Um, and the, yeah, and then everything was so clean and stuff. Yeah. And like, have you responded in any artwork to the experience yet? No, because I've been kind of like held up with commercial jobs but yeah. I will be I will be I'd be interested definitely. to see how, yeah, you, know, you were doing Japan that would be really interesting to well see. I went to kind of the Hokusai uh, exhibition at the British Museum not long ago and there's one image uh, of 
I mean, the woodblock paintings from Hokusai, it's like, you did the wave, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. Japanese wave was, yeah. yeah. But there's one image that I saw, and it was a couple of people, and they they got a load of paper, and it was like blowing off in the wind. Mm-hmm. And he's able to kind of illustrate the elements, the nature, the wind blowing these bits of paper in a still 2D image. And I'm completely obsessed with Studio Ghibli and kind of all of their movies. And, and Miyazaki is able to do the same thing. He's able to kind of present wind blowing through hair and kind of like slight movements of characters in natural elements. Mm. And that is something that I will explore most definitely in, yeah. if I can in my work. Um, Did you get to the Gable Museum? No, it was closed. It, it they was were closed. closed. It, it, I, I had no idea. It was very naive. We turned up and you know, I think the next month was booked out and I was like, oh, yeah. no. Apparently you so. can't. So we had to, you had to book it before you go. And we checked. And for the two-week period that we were in Japan, it was closed. Yeah, it's definitely a reason that if you know there are many reasons to go back, that's certainly one of them. Oh my god, yeah, I'm going back in 2020 most definitely because Studio Ghibli are opening a theme park. Oh god, yes, and the Olympics are on. So you get. I was was thinking about the Olympics, and if the Ghibli Museum is theme park's going to be open too, then yeah, might have to be there too. So how was yours? It was incredible. The the book got translated out there, so I I went out on holiday with my girlfriend, but we I doubled up and talked to the publisher and said, let's see if we can arrange a couple of talks which they were fantastic worked very hard to get 35 people down and just got to meet all these freelancers and people starting out in, in Tokyo and Osaka and it was yes, God, it was amazing what was the response I hate sorry I'm asking you questions again. what was the response of the people out there what was the difference in terms of the big, big differences actually it was very very interesting the, 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 one of the overriding differences was, was the general mentality of people in terms of so I talk about a lot of beg, steal, borrow tactics and making things happen and, you know, being a nuisance to make getting your first clients and whatever it takes type of thing to stay yeah. freelance, whereas these guys were much more, seemed to be much more of a, a kind of mass mentality, so it wasn't the thing to be going out there and, and championing what you do and yourself. Right. That They were quite modest and found that quite an intimidating idea. Therefore, these were quite new ideas, really, that I was oh, talking I about as a kind of... You know, urchin from Yorkshire. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just it was amazing to hear that perspective and, and what they took from it. Which we, you know, well, I guess the Japanese culture is about respect and modesty. And yeah, kind of and honor and all those things. Yeah. yeah, so there's a there's a kind of cultural thing yeah. that has like been going <laughs> yeah. on for generations. There's very little honor sitting in the window of Greg's because the coffee's a bit cheap <laughs> and, and taking caffeine near us Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> So that was interesting, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the big thing and borrow stuff is, yeah, it's the thing you get, like, every, you, I mean, as an architecture student, it was like, how do you get your materials? You're not paying for them. You're Absolutely, like, yeah. finding them in skips, kind of like, yeah, ripping shit off of, like, you know, various bits of wall that don't necessarily need it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> It'll stay up. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Brilliant. And how do you... How do your family feel now about things? Have they come around now? Do they see what you're doing and, and kind of... You know what? It's it's a tough one because it's still... They're still of the mindset of like, okay, we can see that you're earning a living from this. We can see that you're happy from this. We still can't understand it. We still can't... Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, like, like we said earlier, there, I suppose unless you've tasted it, there is always going to be a degree of that. Yeah, I still get the same thing when my parents are, are wholly supportive, but at the same time, there's always that you will still get that. Are you, you know, you're busy, busy this week, and it's like you always get that just annoying yeah, sense of yeah. it's you feel it's going to collapse at any minute. You know, <laughs> <But> <laughs> the other thing is that again, South Asian, the South Asian thing or the Asian thing, 
parents relatively it can be quite strict sometimes so it's always like what can you do that's pushing your work how can you be working harder mm-hmm. so if I were to be like oh mum dad I've got this exhibition they're like okay so when are you going to be on TV for this exhibition you know it's like <laughs> they push yeah, you they really yeah, push yeah, yeah. you so I think my parents would fully respond to my work if I was on the telly chatting yeah. to you know or, so something that they could comprehend or something that they could actually kind of relate to like oh he's he's here he's, he's yeah, here. yeah yeah that thing they can't actually relate to an art exhibition because they didn't go to them when they of were course, so it's like yeah. until they're able to fathom it so they're able to like get on board mm. with it from their own point yeah. of view yeah and I get that so that's yeah. kind of, you know. I, I wrote a piece recently and I was, I was sat on a train and the two people opposite me on the table seat were fully you know full laptops out but no not, I mean I had my laptop out but you know these guys were off to, to full suited and big full on spreadsheets where then yeah. you know on the other side I've got it there and, I, and I'm working some illustration my laptop's covered in ink splats and things and I just wrote it based on just my assumption of what they were doing and probably their assumption of what I was doing I just wrote a piece called Who's the Alien and it was just that you know completely different worlds neither of us is wrong or right it's just exactly. Exactly. there is just going to be that divide at all times you know unless Absolutely. you could do a you know switch minds well I don't know I would say that <laughs> I would say that they're the aliens. Well, you don't know where they're coming from, but some people go into jobs and they're like, it's purely about money, it's purely about the nine to five, getting what you want to do done in that time and then going home to your loved ones, your family mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And I realised quite a while ago, of like, you know, we spend so much time doing our work, we should be doing something oh we're God, completely yeah. obsessed with, completely in love with. And yeah. then... There's a kind of like very cliched saying of you never you never work a day in your life if you kind of love what you do and stuff. Gotcha. And it's like I am working hard and I get stressed out, but I have to sit back and like I am drawing for a living. Yeah, life is good. That's, yeah, that, even when I love it, and there are times when I love it, but that's I always remind remind myself that's because I'm passionate about it and I care. Yeah. Therefore, when it when it's going against what I want it to be. Of course, I hate it because I care about it. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's exactly. not a bad thing to have at all. Yeah, know? yeah. So there, there we are. I'd be so. interested in chatting to a few people who work in business, who work in kind of financial district. From the medical industry, you'd understand why. You know, there's a clear cut reason for why people do what they do in the medical industry, and it come, it boils down to helping people and you know that mm-hmm. finding that kind of like human interaction with people on that level is like. I got a lot of friends who are doctors and my family are doctors and like that's why they do what they do. Yeah. But you go into like the business side of things and the financial side of things and I'm sure there are reasons that go beyond the financial. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah, I'd be interested in finding. You out. do get a feeling a lot of these status and this this yeah you know to some, just an achievement on paper almost like you're saying the financial and oh my god I mean you you do just see it's the classic thing of I'm going to be working like till ten again tonight and. We all have those days in our industry, but I mean, at least when we're doing that, we know that it's all for the right reasons and it's out of a love of it or it's a great job that that justifies it. Exactly. Do you want to get to the end of your life and be like, I wasted so much time being in the office? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Or is it the thing that you do, or was it the thing that you did in your spare time drawing, which you turned into a career? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to kind of, with some friends, I have to be like, sorry guys, I've got to go. I've got to work on my hobby and then they're like okay that's cool I've started saying that now because if you start going I've got to go and work now they start to yeah. like, no 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 have another drink have another drink like, stay out late and it gets a bit it gets yeah. a bit ten- like tense sometimes so I'm like 
I'd just be like, I'm going to work on my hobby now, so see you yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, play, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, it's what it is, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, treating it like that as well, it then it does make it feel more fun when you have to deal with taxes and invoices and that kind of thing. Of course, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Necessary stuff, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure that as a listener to the show, you know about the Shack in the Tank section at the end when I ask for a love and a hate or a positive and a negative. I do indeed, uh, yeah. Based within creativity, it's a wide open question. So. Yeah. Oh, so I did have okay, a semi-prepared answer because <laughs> my love of things, I'm a positive person, changes every day. So like if a new film comes out, I'm completely obsessed with it. So if you ask me... Today, yep. it would be Stephen King's It, because I'm listening to it on audiobook. Uh, okay. But the general love um, that I'm completely obsessed with, I was really in love with sci-fi films of uh, been and gone, like Terminator, The Matrix, and Blade Runner, and The Fifth Element. And I was like doing some more investigation, like who's, who's the designer behind some of these films? Who are the kind of artists? Not necessarily the directors or the scriptwriters, but who are the concept artists? behind these films and in terms of Fifth Element Blade Runner Alien um, and uh, yeah a few others there was one man's name that came and it was Mobius this French illustrator goes by the name of Jean Girard um, comics illustrator he died in 2012 at like the age of 70 but he is so influential in so much artwork and films and mm. um in the world of sci-fi science fiction film, he is kind of one of the most influential people. And I would say that I've only come to his work over the last few years, but I know I've known his work for a long time before that, just not, not directly. And once I came to kind of doing a lot of research and of his work, I'm like, he's the guy that I'm obsessed with, have been obsessed with over the last few mm. years. Um, so that's the love. It's the, the, the amount of detail that goes into the work the kind of beauty from some of the most simplistic graphic novels that he puts together. Um, and then, okay, so in, going on from that, a, a film to watch is Chodorowsky's Dune. Before the new Dune movie comes out, watch this documentary film about the failed attempt to make Dune, which ultimately went to David Lynch and he made a shitty version of Dune. But, well, shit to some people, great to other people. But Chodorowsky's Dune... Uh, Jodorowsky, the director, hired Mobius to create amazing artwork. He hired uh, H.R. Giger as well. And the artwork in there is absolutely amazing. And you then realise that this art book that they created to make June, put together all this artwork for this film, it was the most influential book on 20th century film. You look at, you'll see um, scenes in Alien, you'll see scenes in Blade Runner, you'll see lots of different films, and they've They've all got snippets of Mobius's work in them oh, wow. from this film. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. Mobius is my love right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I named my cat after him. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I was going to name the other cat Jordorowski, to be honest, but she turned out to be a girl, so... It was <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, and then, what, what about a negative? Uh... Negative is... Um, Anyone who puts you down for what you do, mm-hmm. it's like it's not really, it is to do with creativity, but it's, I've had recent kind of um, issues with, uh, with some friends who are just like not, they just put you down for what you do, for the work that you do, for making you feel guilty for doing your work. Mm. It's not got anything, it's not got to any serious level, but I'm like, why would you need to do it? Why does it concern you to, mm-hmm. 
to put someone down for for doing what they want to do and it's like that can get a little frustrating yeah, I'd say which yeah. that is a kind of off the cuff answer it's like a thing that's come to my mind just now yeah, but like yeah. I don't know if, if I hadn't decided to go into illustration after my architecture degree I'd be really upset I'm just like pissed yeah. off with what I do for the most of the day and like yeah now I'm completely obsessed with drawing and talking about film and illustration and stuff to anyone that will listen so like I know it's changed my way of life for the most yeah. recent few years so. yeah man but yeah you've got to wonder about anyone not getting involved with that <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not I, it may sound kind of upsetting but it does it does annoy me a little bit like if anyone has my one of my friends took up ballroom dancing recently and he is like a straight edge architect kind of wears navy blue and jeans and stuff and is the typical idea of a modern architect and he's taken up ballroom dancing and he has changed over time and he's become this like different person entirely mm. it's like that is because the hobby you do has influenced your life and like this is amazing or has brought out what you had but you didn't kind of you yeah, were able to brilliant and i would always encourage anyone to kind of like take up illustration take up their hobbies like oh my god just, yeah just do know. the things you love or you want to do Life's yeah too short not to. exactly and anyone and then and kind of a middle finger to anyone else who says against that basically who says oh, no to that absolutely <laughs> i totally on board with that definitely yeah. <laughs> so that's my love and hate it's two very kind of different ones yeah but, no yeah. Man, well, and, uh, and lastly where can people find your work so I go by the name of Studio Mur- or Studio Murugaya so my website is studiomurugaya.com and I'm Studio Murugaya on Twitter and Studio Under Murugaya on Instagram um, I'm not on Facebook I was but I'm not um, I might go back on it but mm-hmm. the amount of social media kind of Oh, it's overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it's overwhelming. So, Instagram, love Instagram, Twitter, love Twitter, and then my website. You can find it. I'll stick them on the show notes. And thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you again to the wonderful Sham Marigaya from Studio Marigaya. Top guy. Really interesting thread there, don't you think? I think I laughed a lot during that interview, and I think um, there's some really interesting things. The whole thing about parents from South Asia and challenging the, the, the creative career choice. Is there anyone else who's experienced that and how do you feel about it? I'm interested to hear other experiences because it's quite interesting to me. It's not something I've encountered, obviously, because uh, I'm not from that part of the world, so I haven't experienced that. But it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, check out Sham's work. Share some of the stuff you like. I love his uh, New Scientist work and I love his little White Lies cover and I think his work's going places that's really exciting. So I hope he keeps pushing in that direction because I think it's really, really knockout and it's easy to see why he's blowing up at the minute. Uh, thanks again to previous guests, Creative Boom, Katie Cowan, Olivia Kugler for sitting down for a massive two-part episode. Um about his awesome artist uh, reportage work. It, it was a big hit. You know, We've gone over, well, many listens, many, many listens now on that show. Uh, 100 special, so we're into a new era now with Arrested on the Mix. Thank you for the continued support. Please do drop us a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and iTunes. Uh, it really helps the show a lot. Share, spread the love. Please do get us your thoughts on the Twitter, at Arrest on the Mix, on Instagram, under the same handle. Uh, thank you to the sponsors again, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and the wonderful Association of Illustrators for their continued support. Um, previous guest, Graham Wood's new book is out, Memory is the Medium. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a total force of 
it's a stream of consciousness. It's a be- it's, it's something only Graham Wood could produce, and it's truly unique, and it's really beautiful. So that's out now at codehill.com, C-O-D-H-I-L-L.com, and it's also on Amazon, so go and check him out and listen to his episode. He's a wonderful man, inspiring, incredible work with Tomato in the 90s and beyond. Uh, done awesome work since then and continues to do so. Go and check him out, lovely bloke, top guy popular episode unsurprisingly uh so what's going on for you guys i want to hear it please hit us up on the social i love the conversations i have with people who've discovered the show long-term listeners and just checking out people who don't even know about the show it's great to introduce ourselves to them so please do spread the word help keep supporting and thank you again so much for listening i want to hear what you've been up to cheers guys uh thanks for checking in i hope you've enjoyed sham from studio maragaya have an awesome couple of weeks and i'll see you for the next episode episode 103 guest tbc see you later